0: Let's go, man. Coach Urban Meyer gave us his thoughts today on the Ohio State quarterback battle that's going to go into the spring. Who knows, maybe even into the fall, but it's March, man. Embrace the madness. This is the time to believe in something. A lot of you believe in your brackets. That's fine. I would recommend you believe in your team as they get ready for spring ball to get on and pop. in Nebraska starts spring practice here next week got to talk about that but welcome into the hard count so fired up to have you here man the people's college football show we talk it every single day right here we're live twice a week i'm so glad you made it i said it last live show but a lot of y'all have very busy lives watching the kids going to work maybe you're listening to this right now while you're at work we appreciate you for that but you made it to a very safe place we talk college football here this is a mental escape for you So for the next hour, sit back, relax, we'll talk some ball. Like I said, Coach Urban Meyer about to join the program here in just a few short minutes. Going to talk Nebraska spring practice as well as they start next week. We did this for the SEC as well. I want to look at the Big Ten right now. A lot of good quarterback rooms. And I'm not power ranking the starting quarterback or projected starting quarterback. I want to rank the room itself. I want to talk about your backup. What happens if QB1 goes down? Where do you stand? We got a top five for you. I promise you we won't agree on that. That's fine. Should be a good time. It's why this is fun. Also, post-spring, I talked about those quarterback rooms. Some of them could look very different because there is a second portal window that will become available. May 1st to May 15th, you can put your name into the transfer portal. So with the most important position in sports, potentially having some shifting and shaking after spring practice. What could the market look like if you're a buyer when it comes to the quarterback position after you finish up spring ball? Then after that, you know how we get down around here. If you're new, welcome to the show. We post a question on my Twitter page and want to involve you all as much as possible at Jody Pacquiao's where you can find that where you can follow me. But I asked y'all, what's on your college football bucket list? Like if you were to sort of go down the line here and say, I want to experience this, that, the other tradition, this, that other atmosphere, we got our own. We want to start checking off here very soon, but I wanted to hear from y'all. So we'll unpack those at the end of the show. A lot of really good answers. Like I said, I'm so fired up. So fired up to have y'all here, man. The greatest game in the world, college football. We got our own madness all year round. Can't waste any more time. Nebraska starts spring football March 20th. There's a lot to learn about the Cornhuskers. Think about what has happened since their season ended last year. Got a new transfer quarterback. Casey Thompson said, you know what, I'm coming back to Nebraska as well. So a little quarterback battle set to ensue. You got a new head coach in Matt Rule, who we had on the show, I believe it was a couple of weeks ago now. Had a lot of great things to say about his team, what they've done during the spring, where they've been able to grow during the winter. We're excited to unpack what spring practice looks like when it does get here. But before that happens, what are some things we need to watch for? Husker Online will keep you in the know, the Nebraska On3 site. There are some points of emphasis that I'm watching very closely as we get into spring ball down there in Lincoln. And the first thing I'm looking at is what are the live rep counts looking like? And for those of you that don't know, there's different tempos from which college football teams practice at. There is whiz, which is just short for, hey, we're whistling. We're not tackling anybody. We're not fitting up. We're just going to play two-hand touch. Okay, cool. There's thud, where you actually go ahead and wrap the ball carrier, and you don't take him to the ground, but you make sure that he knows you're there. You know what I'm saying? A little shoulder pads, a little chin music. Then there's live, and live is just what you and I both get to watch on Saturdays. Matt Rule told us when he came on the show, hey, we got to get more physical. We want to be a physical football team. Matt Rule is a blue collar, hard nosed kind of guy. He was a walk on himself at Penn State. They're going to be a physical football team. But how do you get to being a physical football team? Like anything else, you got to do it. You get stronger by forcing yourself to be strong by lifting weights. You get physical by forcing yourself to be physical by hitting other human beings. So how much of that are they during are, are they doing during spring practice? Because I fully believe that we will get the practice reports from Husker Online, and it'll say, hey, a lot of, lot of good on good today, a lot of live good on good today at the end of practice. Saw those ones, they, they were popping pads, there was a good goal line drill, stuff like that's what you want to hear around Nebraska football right now. Because that's what Matt Rule came here to do, came here to instill an edge back into Lincoln, Nebraska. Because last year they gave up right around 112 yards, uh, excuse me, 190 yards a game on the ground. They rushed for 112. Both of those are triple digits in terms of where they rank nationally. That's not Nebraska football, y'all. Nebraska is physical as a brand. Those of you that are in Lincoln, Nebraska watching this show, we appreciate you, but you know that about your football team. That's who you want to be. That's why Mr. Alberts brought Matt Rule in. Okay, so what does that look like? And what's the rep count looking like during spring practice for live reps? Because you're not worried about getting ready for your opener during these 15 practices. You're worried about yourself getting better and learning what you have within your roster. So I'm excited to learn a lot about that. Jeff Sims is a transfer quarterback from Georgia Tech that I expect, and you probably expect to compete for the starting quarterback job at Nebraska, Casey Thompson. Got shoulder surgery. It sounds like he's ahead of schedule, but still you don't really plan on having him for the spring in terms of 11 on 11 or going live or anything like that. So how much distance is Jeff Sims able to create between him and Casey Thompson? Maybe if you look at it the other way, if Casey Thompson's got a a large lead over Jeff Sims, how much is he able to shrink that gap? Got some thoughts on this, but if you haven't yet subscribed, would love to have you a part of the operation. We're live twice a week, Tuesday and Thursday, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. But if you hit the bell on the On3 YouTube channel, I promise you won't miss us when we go live. And like I said, when we're not live, we still have content for you every single day talking about this beautiful game. That is college football. Now, make sure you're following me on Instagram and on Twitter, at J.D. Another way for us to involve you in the show and keep you in the know with all that we got going on here. Like I was saying, Jeff Sims. It's a lot of buzz around what he's going to do at Nebraska. He was a four-star kind of player out of high school. Translation, he's got a lot of physical ability. But you look at what he did at Georgia Tech, and you say, man, he started a lot of games, but J.D., he never threw for over 20 touchdowns, man. like I appreciate that he's at Nebraska. I appreciate he's got a lot of physical tools, but I'm hung up here on these career stats. Less than 60% on his career completion percentage. 30 touchdowns, 23 interceptions when it comes to his Passing numbers like guess that, that doesn't excite me JD. Hey, I feel you man. I, I understand, but here's what I would say about that Don't overlook those career stats But I wouldn't get stuck on those Because you got talent. That's great as a quarterback. That's awesome But that's only half the battle to being successful at the collegiate level At the high school level. It's snap the ball to your best player let him go to work everything else is relevant but not crucial at the collegiate level you have to have other variables around you in place and look at what he had at Georgia Tech it wasn't like he was working with a five-star caliber kind of cast it wasn't like he had a coaching staff that crushed it in fact they have a new coaching staff now at Georgia Tech so what I'm trying to tell you is pay attention to how he could thrive in this system if you want to be optimistic think about what Marcus Satterfield did last year at the end of the year with Spencer Rattler who's now the new OC at Nebraska, Marcus Satterfield is, obviously Spencer Rattler still playing quarterback at South Carolina, but popped the last two games of the year. A guy who had a lot of scrutiny coming from Oklahoma and throughout his time early at South Carolina. So what I'm trying to tell you is, I think there's a system in place for Jeff Sims to grow a lot as a quarterback. And he's going to have center stage. I understand Chubba Purdy's got to get some reps too, and he's a great athlete, I understand that, but Jeff Sims transferred to Nebraska and he didn't transfer just to hang out and get some nice Adidas gear, all right? He came there to play ball. At the same time, Casey Thompson, when he comes back, June is going to be huge for him to try and make a push to be that starting quarterback. So just pay attention to how Jeff Sims performs in those 11-on-11 settings. I'm excited for y'all to hear this conversation with Urban Meyer, because he gave us a good insight as to how he assesses quarterbacks during the spring. thing that I would look for is how do... Jeff Sims drives finish because Matt rule told us that he's like, we want to have a quarterback that has the it factor that's explosive downfield. Yes, but we want to make sure we're taking care of the football. We want to make sure we have a quarterback that puts us in good positions. Read in between the lines here. Read in between the coach speak just a little bit. What does that mean? We want a quarterback that moves the offense. Okay. I don't need him to throw the ball 60 yards on a dime. What I do need him to do is to read that flat defender and be able to go to the check down in the flat if he has to, or go to that hitch route behind the linebacker. It's a 10-yard throw. Can you make that for me? Can you make that right decision consistently? Whoever does that the most, I believe, will be Nebraska's starting quarterback. But again, center stage is Jeff Sims for this spring practice, period. You hope Casey Thompson's able to get back quickly, and and you hope that he's able to make a case for it in the fall. But Jeff Sims, I fully believe, will be able to really make a lot of noise this spring. So keep an eye again over at Husker Online. Got a lot of intel for you there. Lock it in, they do a great job. Now, this is potentially the most important, just from a sheer number standpoint. Nebraska's roster last year just wasn't good enough. Right, you and I both know it it wasn't up to par for what you expect at Nebraska. So I'm looking at what they brought in, y'all. They brought in 11 transfers at some pretty premier positions. Guys that can help you and will help you. They expect to play for them right away in 2023. Eric Gilbert, Elijah Judy, Billy Kemp, the wide receiver from Virginia. A lot of guys that had a fairly high grade on them, quite frankly, out of high school. MJ Sherman, a five-star guy from Georgia. Guys that you expect to help you at Nebraska day one. How do they mesh with this team? Because X's and O's are, are a big part of it. Like this staff, I promise you, they will have the X's and O's ready to rock and roll. They will have the right culture. I can say that from firsthand experience, having played for Matt Rule, played a strong word, having been in Matt Rule's program. But this team as a whole just needed more talent to be competitive. Okay, so what does that look like during spring practice? Do they look different as a team? Can you tell from an operations standpoint that, they're able to do some things and call some things they weren't able to call last year. You're not calling a ton of split out your tight end all the way wide and have him one-on-one and you're able to throw him a go route because he's got freakish athleticism, like in a Gilbert. You now can do that. If he's able to mesh, hit the ground running and buy into what's going on. So how are they practicing? Are they meshing? Are they able to adapt quickly to the way Nebraska wants to do things? New staff for everybody, but new surroundings as well for a lot of these transfers. Talent's going to be a big part of what they want to do next year. It sounds cliche. It sounds kind of simplistic, but the players that Nebraska has via the portal are just better than what they had a season ago. What's that impact like? How quickly does that provide results? So I'm excited to watch that. But I'm telling you, man, spring has sprung. Nebraska set to get it on and popping on March 20th. We'll keep an eye on that very, very closely, as you know, we do around here. So make sure you're locked in and make sure you're subscribed. But there's a lot to keep track of as the Matt Rule era has begun in Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, Urban Meyer, you know, three-time national champion, Coach Urban Meyer, big part of Fox's big noon kickoff, does a phenomenal job for them. He, He was kind enough to come and spend some time with us this morning, And we picked his brain on the Ohio State quarterback battle. We picked his brain on the pressure around Ryan Day beating Michigan this year and what that rivalry entails for you for your Ohio State's head coach. Subtle flex for Eber Meyer. He was 7-0 against Michigan. Also asked him about other things within the Big Ten Conference. Asked him, can Michigan win a a national title? Not just a Big Ten title. Can they they win the whole thing? Asked him about Nebraska. What do you expect for them in year one under Matt Rule? So, Very excited for you to hear this conversation. Thought it was very insightful. Again, we appreciate Urban Meyer. But without further ado, here's our conversation. We are now joined by a three-time national championship winner and a crucial part of the big noon kickoff on Fox Desk. Coach Urban Meyer, Coach, how are we doing today?
1: I'm good, J.D. Good to be with you.
0: Glad to have you. You made us envious before we started recording. Showed us a picture of of the outdoors. You're in, in Florida, and it's just, it's picturesque.
1: Yeah, we moved here, uh, we actually bought a piece of property down here in Florida, Sarasota area, I want to say 14, and
0: that was our, you know,
1: Shelley's dream was to move down here, and mine as well, and and uh, it's paradise, it's even better than we thought, so, uh, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, this time of year, it's kind of tough, I loved it, but it, uh, the weather's tough, but here it's, it's just spectacular.
0: Here. Yeah, it's a nice little trade going from Cleveland, Ohio, down to Florida, I'm sure the weather is... Uh, Treating you, treating you okay. But when when we look at Ohio State right now, obviously a quarterback battle is brewing in the spring. Do you have an early feel on how that could look between Devin Brown and Kyle McCord?
1: Yeah, I've uh, I've watched these guys. Obviously, I'm still very close with Coach Day. My son-in-law is a quarterback coach, Corey Dennis, who's done. You know, think about who they've had. You know, they have had Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, and C.J. Stroud. I'm not sure. In the history of college football, there's been a better run of quarterbacks come through a, a college, and so Ohio State's hot. Their recruiting uh, has been incredible. But I've always said there's one common characteristic of a great quarterback, and that's great receivers. And Ohio State, with Brian Hartline as a receiver coach, has been on. Uh, it's unprecedented the amount of first-round draft picks that have rolled through Ohio State in the last couple of years. Are going to do it again? You know, they have another. The, the best group of receivers in the country are in Columbus, Ohio. So uh, number one is the quality receiver. Number two is the offense line, which is going to be uh, somewhat new. Ohio State's going to have to replace two first-round tackles, uh, replace their center. and But the, the group of receivers, I mean, my gosh, uh, that's as good as there is. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in college football. I thought it was last year. You know, he should have been in New York for the Heisman. And uh, when he got hurt in the Georgia game, it changed. So I, I, I think Devin Brown and Kyle McCord, they're different type of players. Uh, one's more of a drop back pocket player, and one's kind of an athlete running around. And so, uh, you know, I've been there. It's gonna be a very strenuous decision because what happens nowadays when the guy loses a battle, a lot of times they leave and go start somewhere else, which you can't fault that player for doing that. So. It's going to be. This is a big decision.
0: And you said it with the day and age of the transfer portal. You got two five-star players. Whoever doesn't end up winning the job, more often than not, like you said, sometimes will look for a different destination. If you're the head coach, then is there an advantage to letting this thing sort of drag on into fall camp or past that second portal window?
1: That's a that's a tough situation to be in. You know, we we had two first rounders. A guy named Dwayne Haskins and a guy named Joe Burrow, and. You know, we, we Joe Burrow really came on and obviously became arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, and Dwayne Haskins was a high draft pick first rounder that had 50 touchdown passes his uh, junior year at Ohio State. So I, I think to be fair to the player and to your team, the sooner the better and move forward uh, because you don't want to have, you know, you don't want to have to deal with this uh, in training camp. However, if it's that close. You just got to do right by your team and your player. You can't, you cannot let that enter you in your decision about someone possibly leaving you. You don't have time to do that.
0: And if you're the head coach during spring practice, what are you looking for as these guys try and get reps at QB one for the first time?
1: Yeah, I, I was, I always had a maybe different approach. I don't know. Uh, Ryan Day was my quarterback coach when we had to make that decision. And, and I think, uh, And I've had other great, you know, Dan Mullen, I've had as good a quarterback coach as you can imagine. Uh, But I would always simply look, I want to see the drive chart. You know, I want to see a quarterback's job, you know, how he throws at his completion percentage. You know, does he take care of the ball? Those are all very critical. But does he score touchdowns? Does he get first downs? And does he get touchdowns? That's all I cared about. Now, I would always have a category two, three, four, five and that would be completion percentage. That would be, you know, the uh, accuracy on the short, medium, and long throws, et cetera. Those are all tangibles. Uh, the other intent, tan- the tangible is that does he score points and move the team? Because that, that takes everything into consideration. That takes leadership. That takes toughness. That takes the ability to extend plays and get first downs, which I think are the most important quality of a quarterback.
0: Speaking of the quarterback position, obviously that'll play a huge role in their success this year, and the standards are just ridiculously high at Ohio State. It's win the Big Ten, win national titles, first and foremost, beat Michigan. For Coach Day, what would you say are the stakes going into this year's game against the Wolverines?
1: Uh, it's the same every year. You know, that's you know, I remember Jerry DiNardo, who was my colleague at the Big Ten Network, one time asked me, do you really believe that... It, if you win every other game and you lose to the team up north, it's a bad year. Do you really believe that if you win or lose all your games and beat that team up north? I really do. I guess I was brainwashed in the 10-year war with Bo Schenbecker and Woody Hayes in that game. Uh, that game's everything. It, you know, Normally, it determines who's going to go to the Big Ten Championship game. It determines who's going to go to the playoff nowadays. So the stakes are always high. And you know, they have a returning quarterback. The Buckeyes have to go to Ann Arbor and that's going to be a tough road. They, the Wolverines have really done a nice job the last couple of years.
0: Coach, what does Michigan need to do to get over the hump of not just winning the Big Ten and getting to the college football playoff, but eventually competing for a national title in 2023?
1: Well, they did it. You know, they were a uh, field goal. They the, that uh, You know, maybe they got a little closer and the kicker hit that field goal. The Ohio State got their, was it, ninth national championship right now? You know, they would have beat TCU. They would have uh unless, you know, someone got injured or turnovers, but they would have had the more talented team. And you saw what happened with Georgia got in that game. So they are. They're right, you know, they're right there. They they have to beat the team up north. They have to get to Indianapolis. Uh, but there there's nothing that uh right now Ohio State is as strong a program as there is in the country. Recruiting is Uh, elite. They got an elite coaching staff and elite players. So it's they just got to take care of business.
0: And in regards to Michigan, what do they need to do to be able to get over the hump and get past just that first round of the college football playoff?
1: I, you know, I've watched them. Ironically, I had them four times, I think this past year. So I I called us the Wolverine network there for a while. Uh, You know, they, the quarterbacks J.J. McCarthy is so talented. You know, you stand next to him, which I have, and watch the ball come out of his hand. His athleticism, he's a tough guy. He's uh, He made big plays in that robbery game last year. So they got to continue to, uh, you know, they, they should have been in the final game. You know, they had two, I think it was two pick sixes and just didn't take care of the ball. Didn't play well in that game, but they were the better team. Um, they just, I think they're right there as well. They just need to. I used to tell our teams this, now it's just about to the finish, the, the F word. You know, you need to finish. And that's, the Buckeyes didn't finish and either did the Wolverines.
0: Now, how about Penn State? Because they've been a team that's right up there in the top tier of the Big Ten, but it's kind of the same thing of can they get past a, a Michigan, can they get past an Ohio State? How much pressure is on James Franklin in this program to do that in 2023 after going 10-2 and two last year?
1: I think it's an enormous amount of pressure. They haven't done it. You know, I think the last they won it in uh, 16, if I remember right. Yes, yeah, 16. They had a great year. They beat us. Um, they have to beat the Wolverines. They have to beat the Buckeyes. I'll tell you what they are loaded. They have two running backs. They're elite. and That quarterback that's going to take over uh, is tremendous. I stood once again. I got we got to do several other games. So James Franklin has done a very nice job. Uh, has done a really good job. and, and uh, But he's got to close the deal, and unfortunately he's got to go to uh, the horseshoe this year. It's a tough place to play.
0: Another school you got to cover quite a bit was Nebraska. And the Matt Rule era begins this year, and he's a guy that we're really excited over here at On3 to cover. We had him on the show as well. In your mind, how much success is available to them in 2023? How much can he do in the first year?
1: Well, the transfer portal makes the, and, and I'm trying to watch uh, in the screen. I'm going to really watch him, but uh, a big name coach, a guy that's done it at several different places. You know, what he did at Baylor was uh, impressive. What he did at Temple was impressive. Um, he's a, he's what they needed. You know, he he's stability. But you know, thing about Nebraska when Scott Frost got hired. Now that was the big name. That's their you know the, the great player at Nebraska. I was a I, I like Scott Frost. I was in the same league when he was there, and. uh and they didn't work, so the bottom line is, can Nebraska recruit? They have good coaches. I got news for you, they had good coaches last time. Can they go get the quality of player that can compete with the Ohio State and the Wolverines and Penn State? And there's one way to evaluate that. It's called the NFL Draft. And how do you, recruit, how do you evaluate recruiting? Number one is one's losses, number two is the NFL Draft. And Nebraska's gotta to get to where it was years ago. And you've been saying that for a long time now, where the NFL draft, you start hearing Nebraska Huskers going, the Thorn Huskers going the first
0: two rounds. And is that more difficult to do at a place like in Nebraska where for, for maybe the younger generation, that isn't something that they've been able to be exposed to as much? I mean, Nebraska is a traditional power, but is that something that you think is going to be a more difficult sell in your mind?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great conversation. I've had it with other people. The corridor of that, that Midwest corridor, and that used to be you know Texas Texas A&M Oklahoma Arkansas Nebraska Colorado when in the 90s that was the best football in the country that was where the all-americans heisman trophies the uh, national champions that was where that was coming from and that's been that's been ripped apart you now you got Texas Texas A&M they're not in that conference anymore you got Colorado went out to the west coast you got uh, Nebraska went to the Big 10 and Arkansas went to the SEC So that impacted recruiting because Nebraska would always get their players, you know, primarily from California, Texas. And when you're not playing those schools, parents aren't gonna send their kids to that school. So I think it changed when Nebraska went to the Big 10. I think uh, recruiting took a hit. I don't think, I know, you just look at the numbers. And because Nebraska is a great school, arguably one of the top three or four fan bases in America great facilities, they've had good coaches, it's can they recruit the quality athlete? Because, you know, Nebraska going to play Penn State, Michigan State, that's not the same allure when Nebraska played Oklahoma, Texas, and Oklahoma State.
0: Switching gears to a school that has access to a ton of quality athletes in the University of Florida, how much success do you think they can have in year two under Billy Napier with just the current state of the SEC with Tennessee being really good now and Georgia coming off two national titles and Alabama and Nick Saban are still hanging around? What do you think the outlook is for Coach Napier in year two down there?
1: Well, I, I, I'm a fan of Napier. I, you know, I, I like guys that have won it. Uh, won at a lower level and then got promoted up, which he did. You know, I, I've talked to him a couple times. I, I'm a Florida fan. I want to see him do well. Um, I just, when you see a quarterback, Anthony Richardson at, you know, 55% completion percentage and he goes to the NFL, you know, he's so talented. I mean, I, Dan Mullen coached and recruited him, said he you know, has more talent than Cam Newton. So um, it's going to come down to who's going to play quarterback. They got Graham Mertz, Jack Miller, because I, I think they're going to be swinging away at this thing. Are they good enough to take the Gators? Because once again, the SEC East now. You know the Gators used to dominate that thing, or used to, you know, be the, the number one team. Now it's hard to say they might not. They might be number three. What you just said, and you know, South Carolina is really coming along too. Kentucky's good. The SEC East, a tough conference, tough a uh, division.
0: I'm gonna say you said they used to dominate that thing. You know a thing or two about the Gators being dominant within the SEC. Now that kind of brings me to my last question here, and we appreciate all your time. It's fourth and, fourth and one, let's say, on the, on, on you know, you've got, you got to get a first down to ice it. You can either go quarterback power with Cardell Jones, you'll quarterback power with Tim Tebow. Who are you giving the rock to in that situation?
1: There's no chance I'm going to answer that question because <laughs> they give me either one and they throw JT Barrett in there, too, and uh, there's a good chance you got a first down on the other end of that.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Well, Coach, we appreciate all your time. We're excited to see you back on our TV screens here very, very soon and appreciate all you do for college football.
1: Thanks, Judy. Have a great day.
0: Had to try, man. Had to try. Had to at least see if we could maybe get Coach Meyer to tell us what he's calling the there on fourth and one. But again, appreciate Coach Meyer. Drop us some knowledge on the program really quick, talking about Nebraska and Ohio State. And so a lot to a lot to take away from that. The Big Ten will be anarchy this coming Fall. I mean, it's going to be absolutely nuts. Penn State's going to be good again. Michigan's going to be good again. Ohio State's out for blood. They got two five-stars they're going to try and play. We did the same exercise with the Southeastern Conference. Let's take a look at the best rooms in the Big Ten Conference as it pertains to the quarterback position. Need to say this. One, this is subject to change, okay? So if your school isn't where you like them right now, that's okay. This could be very different after the spring. Second thing I got to say, we're not ranking this based off of solely who the starting quarterback is. That's a part of it, but it's only a fraction of the equation, okay? So if you think J.J. McCarthy is better than X, Y, and Z quarterback, I agree. But that's not the only factor we're taking into account as we rank these quarterback rooms. Okay, again, not ranking the wallpaper or the light fixtures or any of the other amenities within the physical room. You with me? Without further ado, let's start at number five. Number five quarterback room for me is the Penn State Nittany Lions. Some of you in state college, if you're listening while you're driving, just pulled over on the side of the road. Some of you that were doing work quietly in your cubicle, just ripped out your earbuds. This is not Drew Aller slander, okay? I mean, far be it from me to slander Drew Aller, Aller Bill, y'all. Okay, you got Bo Prabula as your backup quarterback. So you got a five-star in Drew Aller and a three-star in Bo Prabula. Now, now Bo Prabula could be that guy, all right? It's, it, far be it from me to talk down on Bo. But what I would say is, one, he's a three-star. Two, we haven't even seen Drew Aller yet. And I am as high on Drew Aller as anybody else in the country. I think he's going to be filthy. But the reality is, we just haven't seen him on the field yet. So it's tough for me to say he's a sure thing and behind him you have a three-star quarterback. Again, who could be really good. It's like if you tell me to go to this restaurant and there's one good thing on the menu, everything else is eh. But you've just heard it's good. Like you can't even tell me for sure because you haven't tried it yet. That's kind of where I'm at with Penn State. And Penn State has a ton to play for this season. He's going to have a ton of support behind him in the running back room, like Urban Meyer was just talking about. Nick Singleton, Catron Allen, both program guys, okay? Guys that are going to absolutely ball out this year and help Drew Aller as he's behind center. But I'm just saying, I can't rank them higher because I don't have more to go off of behind projections, okay? So very high on Penn State, very high on Drew Aller. No slander here, but for me, they're at number five in our Big Ten QB room rankings. Now, Drew Aller, I'll say this again, he could end up being the best quarterback in the Big Ten when all the dust settles in January. Like, that's how good he is. But this room, for me, they're five today. Tomorrow, uh, stick around. Make sure you're locked in. Make sure you're subscribed. Got a ton of y'all rocking with us. We appreciate y'all for that. College football, every single day, the content is right here. You found your home. So we appreciate y'all for that. Clocking at number four for us, Nebraska Cornhuskers. And for me, the best way to describe the Nebraska quarterback room, it is a very different feeling to jump into the ocean versus jumping into the pool. The difference, you can see the floor of the pool. You jump to the ocean, you have no idea what's beneath you. The luxury for Nebraska, I think it's more similar to jumping into the pool. There's not a ton of mystery around what these guys' floor is. Casey Thompson last year, 17 touchdowns, 10 picks, played hurt. Not fantastic, but not horrible. Jeff Sims, you've seen what he did at Georgia Tech. I told you before, the career stats, they don't tell the whole story. A lot of it has to do with the system. But you know, hey, at the very least, that's on tape. We know that's a possibility. We know he could go out there and have a 13-touchdown, 13-interception kind of season. It wouldn't be the first time Jeff Sims did that. Now, the positive side of that is, you know what you're getting into. And you have guys that have put something forth in a college football game before. There's not a ton of mystery. I just said, they've done some negative things. I just told you the stats. But at the same time, you turn on the tape. Casey Thompson, man, he can whip the football around. When he's on, like, he's on. There's a reason he ended up taking that job at Texas from Hudson Card after not being named the starter. There's a reason why he ended up getting that job. That's a high-profile job to get in Austin, Texas. Jeff Sims, like I was saying before, a lot of tools, all right? There's a lot to work with with Jeff Sims. The cupboard's not bare when you go to the tool shed and look at what Jeff Sims has under the hood. Really good athlete, really great size, 20-plus games of starting experience. There's a lot of value in that, man. There's a lot of value in being battle-tested. Whichever guy you go with, they will not be overwhelmed by whatever defense they're up against. It's different than saying, hey, Drew Aller, go out there. Go play against a college defense. Be the first-time starter. Both these cats have started football games for you. So while I, I wouldn't say they're more talented than a Drew Aller, I would say they've got a lot more skins on the wall. So for that reason, Nebraska, for me, they're at four. We'll see what happens as they evolve throughout the course of the season. Jeff Sims didn't come there to sit the bench now, but Casey Thompson's like, man, according to his daddy, he said, Casey Thompson ended the season as Nebraska starter. He expects to come back and be Nebraska starter. So the stage is set in Lincoln, Nebraska. The number three quarterback room for me, we're going to go to Camp Randall. We'll jump around a little bit. We got the Wisconsin Badgers, and I have a note next to my ranking for Wisconsin. It's in parentheses, and it just says, boom, watch. Wisconsin today is the third best quarterback room. Tanner Mordecai is that guy, man. Like, he's going to be introduced to the country nationally in a big way this season because he was playing games at SMU and he wasn't on primetime television. A lot of Friday, a lot of Thursday games, I believe. Not a ton of spotlight on him. He's thrown over 70 touchdowns in the last two years combined, okay? He can sling the rock, man. A lot of experience, started a lot of games at SMU. Good size, right around six foot two, six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounds. He's ready for this, man. And with Phil Longo's offense, they're gonna they're they're gonna reinvent what you've come to know Wisconsin to be. Now behind him, because again it's a quarterback room, the whole room we're taking into account. They got another transfer. In Oklahoma's Nick Evers. Now, Nick Evers is someone that Charles Power, director of Scouting and rank is here at on three, was higher on than the rest of the industry ever so slightly. He's a four-star player. And a ton of tools, a ton of upside. Again, the sample size for him is essentially non existent from his time at Oklahoma. But I talked to somebody that was pretty close to Nick Evers' recruitment. And it sounds like that staff at Wisconsin, Nick Evers committed before Tanner Mordecai did. And the staff wanted to get somebody more experienced in that building. But if they couldn't, if they didn't find themselves a veteran guy, they were cool with riding with Nick Evers, which should tell you something about how highly they think of him. At Wisconsin so Nick Evers I'm telling you he's a guy with a ton of ability he's gonna be someone to watch after Tanner Mordecai leaves but Luke Fickle we actually talked to him spoiler alert he's gonna be on the show here very very soon we're gonna air that interview he said Tanner Mordecai has been sensational through winter workouts integrating himself into the team winning over the locker room like he's knocked it out of the park and he's got the resume to prove it at SMU so I'm excited for Wisconsin the floor to me feels very very high between the two of those guys and Phil Longo's offense is just going to make them look good. So that'll be a lot of fun. Now, as it always is, and the Big Ten Conference comes down to Ohio State and Michigan and one and two, where do they fall in that conversation? I have Ohio State at two. And for me, you just can't hide talent. Like you hear that saying all the time, hey, can't hide money. Got a nice car, got a nice house, got a nice wardrobe. You can't hide money. You can't hide talent either if you're Ohio State. And the case is no different here as it has been in the past. Coach Urban Meyer talked about it here on the show. Got two really good quarterbacks, two really good options. And if you disagree and you're a Big Ten fan, here would be my question to you. Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, two five-stars. If I told you today you could trade your quarterback for one of those guys, outside of Michigan and Penn State, I think you would take that deal. And neither of these guys has a starting season under them just yet, but I'm telling you. There is not going to be a drop-off regardless of who ends up winning that job. And you talk to people around the program, they say, yeah, but Kyle McCord's got more experience, but Devin Brown's got a ton of ability. And the way that I see it, you're just rooting for the best guy to win the job, man. Like there's no, oh, man, if Devin Brown starts, we're in trouble. Or "Ah, if Kyle McCord starts, we're not going to be able to reach our potential. Like you're genuinely just rooting for competition to sort out who is the best five-star in this ordeal. And so whenever that's the case, you gotta feel good about where your quarterback room stands. Devin Brown, it sounds like a little bit more mobile of the two. Kyle McCord, your more prototypical pocket passer. Like Coach Myers said, I'd also say this: the skill position players at Ohio State might sort of act like makeup for whoever ends up being the starting quarterback there. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. is an absolute freak show. Emeka Ibuka. Absolute dog a wide receiver one in a lot of places like they're going to make these quarterbacks look good So even if they're taking some time to process the offense through the first few games and kind of getting their feet under them You and I may not be able to see that quite as clearly Because that ball was off target, but guess what Marvin Harrison jr. And his 14-foot wingspan just snagged the back shoulder pass That was a little bit off course, but he reeled it in so Keep an eye on that. Again, I think this battle will go into fall camp based on what we know about Ryan Day and the way that he's treated these quarterback battles over the course of time. But neither of them really play, but you can't go wrong with either of them, man. Like, that's just the reality. Two really good options for Ohio State. Now, if you're an Ohio State fan, you're probably objecting to the fact that we have Michigan as our number one quarterback room in the Big Ten Conference. Here's what I would say to that. It's hard to argue with jewelry, man. It's hard to argue with jewelry. And J.J. McCarthy now, I suppose, actually has two Big Ten championship rings, one as a starter. It's hard to argue with jewelry. J.J. McCarthy last year, 65% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns, five picks, 2,700 yards. He did what was asked of him. Michigan's like, we're going to play volleyball. We're going to rock with that. Anything J.J. McCarthy can do for us, In the pass game, we'll rock with that too. But we're going to be a bully ball kind of team. I think that's still who they want to be in 2023. But don't be surprised if we see a dual-pronged Michigan offense where J.J. McCarthy takes another step as a passer. They give him a little bit more juice in the pass game and allow him to stretch the field with all these weapons they got coming back. Like, J.J. McCarthy so far has put a lot of exciting things forward. I think he's got even more under the hood that we're going to see this coming season. But like I just said, a lot of good things on tape already. Now, again, it's a QB room that we're evaluating. Jack Tuttle is his backup at Michigan. Now, Jack Tuttle might be a familiar name, formerly a four-star quarterback, was at Indiana for a period of time. And the reason why I have him in this conversation, the reason why we have Michigan as high as they are, outside of just J.J. McCarthy, similar to what I said about Nebraska, Jack Tuttle sees live bullets, man, he's not flinching. If you ask him to drive the car, he's not going to be overwhelmed by the speed of the freeway if you catch my drift here. So obviously, J.J. McCarthy's your starter. But if things get crazy, Jack Tuttle has experience before and has a lot of talent. And if he didn't, he wouldn't have that four-star grade out of high school. Now, his college career has left something to be desired for both himself and I'm sure Indiana fans. But Jack Tuttle, I believe, kind of increases that height of what the floor is in the Michigan quarterback room. So again, to recap it all for you. At number five, we got Penn State. Number four, we got Nebraska. number three, we got Wisconsin. The number two quarterback room in the entire Big Ten for us is the Ohio State. Buckeyes at number one, we got the Michigan Wolverines. Again, if you don't like this list, one, let me know, because that's what makes this fun, getting active in the comment section and the live chat. Appreciate you all for that. And if you disagree, it might change. Okay, we haven't even gotten to spring football yet. Bo, Pre- Bo Prebula could be that guy in the, Mich- in, excuse me, in the Penn State spring game. So we'll keep an eye on that. But that's how we see the Big Ten quarterback rooms shaking out right now. And Coach Urban Meyer talked about it just a little bit, man. If you're not going to be the guy and you figure it out pretty early on in spring football and you're talented, much like they have in that quarterback room at Ohio State with not one but two five-stars, for those of you on podcasts, Go check out the YouTube to find out what I just did there. Um, You're probably looking for greener pastures because you can play just about anywhere else in the country. And again, I'm not implying that I know anything about what Devin Brown and Kyle McCord want to do in terms of what they would do at Ohio State. You could also make the argument, it's better to just wet your turn at a place like Ohio State. But what is this transfer portal QB market going to look like? Because remember now, we got a window post-spring, about two weeks, from May 1st to May 15th, where you can jump in the portal if you don't like where you're at during spring practice. In the quarterback position, I believe there could be a lot of high-profile kind of players that it would make sense if they jumped into the portal. And, again, I'm not implying anything. This is not an intel segment. I'm just using logic here. Look at the quarterback battles that we've got going on. you got Ohio State between Devin Brown and Kyle McCord, two five-stars. If one of them's not playing, maybe they look for somewhere. At Georgia, you got three guys that can all deal the pill like a rogue pharmacist. Carson Beck, former four-star. Brock Vandergriff, former five-star. Gunnar Stockton, former four-star. At worst, maybe a four-star jumps off the board there for you. If one of those guys decides, hey, too many cooks in the kitchen, I got to play to today Junior. Like, that could be a situation you could sell me on. At Ole Miss, Jackson Darter, Spencer Sanders. I'm not wowed by any of those guys. I don't know if any of those guys are going to win you a conference title depending on your conference, but at the very least, guys with starting experience in the toughest conferences in college football. Spencer Sanders in the Big 12 Conference still did a lot of good things, played in the Big 12 title game. He's got some skins on the wall. Bottom line, both those cats can probably help your team. Alabama, Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, the two guys that you're probably looking at most closely, former four-star and five-star respectively. There's going to be somebody, I would imagine, from these groups that test the transfer portal waters. So how do we assess this? I got some thoughts on it. But if you're not subscribed, would love to have you a part of this. Like I said, we're live right now, but we are live not once but twice a week, baby. 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. If you're on podcast, we love you. We salute you. We appreciate you all. If you're on YouTube, we love you as well. But make sure you're locked in so you don't miss anything. All right. Also, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, at jodipakell.com. Appreciate y'all for that. Like the video if you're watching right now as well. Okay, where were we? Transfer portal market. It's going to look like a high-profile Publix, but with supply decreasing, demand increasing, value goes up, 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 a little econ 101. But why is this important? If you get through spring practice, let's say you're in Auburn, for example, and you're like, hey, man, Robbie Ashford ain't it, Holden Garner ain't it, TJ Finley ain't it. We got to figure something out, man. I don't know what the waiver situation is like if you're in the SEC, but somebody could be available for you, and that would change the entirety of what you can do in the 2023 season. Now, what do we make sure we got to talk about within this, though? There's some risk involved. There's some risk involved because you take the entire spring period, trash that, and say, okay, new QB1, new game plan, dry race the whiteboard. we got to figure this out. Quarterback, you got to learn our system receivers, offensive line, you got to mesh to that new quarterback. we got to get the timing right. It, it's sort of like trashing plan A and going to plan B. Now, how many of you know, plan B sometimes is just ultimately better than plan A. That's why you went to plan B, because it's going to work instead of plan A not working. You feel what I'm saying? But there's some risk involved in that. You're, you're, you're gambling quite a bit on what this quarterback could be. But something we got to pay attention to, there's a 45 day transfer portal window when the portal first opens up after the season. There is only a 14 day window post spring, May 1st to May 15th. So, what does that mean? It means these guys are going to make a decision probably pretty quickly, as if to, as, as, and they're going to jump in the portal. So, if you're a staff, you got to have your evaluations down pat and kind of try and read the tea leaves a little bit here. The other piece of this is the relational component is going to be emphasized. So if I'm a quarterback and I got recruited by the OC at School A and I decide I want to jump in the transfer portal, I am more likely to have a conversation with the OC at School A because we have a relationship as opposed to School B that comes and tries to recruit me, but I've never talked to them before in my life. There's some familiarity there. I know what I'm getting into. We're already halfway down that road from when I was recruited out of high school. So just keep an eye on this. Keep an eye on previous relationships because that's going to play a factor. Especially if you're a quarterback, you're not going to want to wait around in the portal. Same thing with high school recruiting. Who are the first players off the board when it comes to the high school level? Quarterbacks. They're making decisions first. They're the ones jumping into their, their signing class or, I guess, committing rather and trying to recruit the rest of their guys. For the quarterback position, you're just trying to get comfortable, trying to know where you're going, start learning your coaching staff, learning your system, all that. That's going to be what this transfer portal market looks like. Again, it can change the entire fortune of your team. It can change the entire 23 outlook for you. If you land a Devin Brown or you land a Kyle McCord or you land a a Brock Vandergriff, again, I'm just throwing out those names just because they're high-profile, five-star kind of players. You land one of those, your outlook looks different. Last thing I'll say on this, typically we've seen these high-profile kind of quarterbacks post-spring transfer out and go to like a group of five school or a lower-level school. I don't think that's the case with this new portal window. I think you'll see guys transfer and, and go to high-profile destinations just because that's the flexibility you have now as a staff. Now everybody's on the same page. Both players and coaching staffs alike understand the portal is something they can anticipate. We don't like what we got during the spring. We can address that via the portal. If I'm a quarterback, I don't like my situation during the spring. I can jump in somewhere else after spring practice. So keep an eye on this. The transfer portal market, a lot of high-profile battles going on. Curious to see if it lends itself to some high-profile names and their locations. I don't know anything. It's not an Intel segment again, just so we're all on the same page, but something to keep an eye on nonetheless. All right, bring it on now. Man the the Legend, heavy lifter, extraordinaire. Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, babe? We got some madness over there? Good. March madness. I got my, my hair cut yesterday,
2: so I'm fresh. Whether you, if look you good, think bro. it looks good or not, my friends, you can judge that yourself. Uh, today we are going back to JD's tweet he had last week. Um, what is on your college football bucket list? JD, the first one we're gonna have today is at Jella Fever Nine, a night game at LSU. Followed by a long game or day of tailgating.
0: Yeah. So Sounds f- like an exhausting day, J.D. I feel like these should be flip-flopped. I think so, too. Because you're going to yeah. tailgate after the game? I'm like, bro. <laughs> a long a day after. Game?
2: Yeah, A Sunday tailgate. No, I, I believe <sighs> uh, what uh, Jell-O-Fever, who's got Sanford and Son as their profile picture. Yeah. I believe they n- mean a night game at LSU after a long day of tailgating. Um, also feels like an exhausting day though, JD. Dude, so, uh, that's a
0: marathon. That that's is an a marathon. absolute marathon. Nick, I'll say this though. You and I won't be tailgating because we'll be working. But if we can catch an LSU night game, dude, you talk to people across the industry. And I like to throw this question out there like, hey, what's the coolest venue you've been to? Or what's the coolest game day experience you've ever had across the board? I would say three quarters plus percentage of the time. It's, hey man, Death Valley at night. Nothing like it. Can't explain a Death Valley at night. Death Valley at night. Like it's not just Death Valley and LSU game. It's Death Valley at night. Nick, if we get if we get, I guess it would be 2024 because they'll go back to Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. If we can get LSU Bama in 2024 for a night game, dude. I'm just saying, no tailgating probably, but that would be a once in a lifetime experience. 1,000 percent is on my bucket list as well. Yeah, what do you no. What do you think, Nick? Nick,
2: you like, you like Cajun food, Nick? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, quite a bit. Okay, I had it. A little bit of it yesterday, so uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I like do. It. I do enjoy it. Just checking, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. So next game, it's cultured man at e b l four z e. It's Electro saying the game, which I'm assuming is implying the great the game between Michigan and Ohio State. J D.
0: Yeah, man. So Ben, there's there's a lot of games. We we can we can judge <laughs> Every based game's on a game. the profile picture. It's Michigan Ohio State, which I want to talk about. There's just a lot of games called the game, like harvard <laughs> Yale's the game. I'm pretty sure army Navy's the game. But Ohio State-Michigan, Nick, I believe will be at this game this coming year if everything shakes out how it's supposed to, which it never really does in college football. But, I mean, we'll worry about that when it gets here. Got to be in Columbus for this one, Nick. It was unbelievable. And I'm someone who's from the West Coast, so grew up going to USC games, going to uh, watch UCLA at the Rose Bowl. Uh, I, I got to go to some Big 12 games as well. That was really, really cool and got to be at McLean Stadium in Waco on the Brazos. But, dude, I'm telling you, the electricity that morning in Columbus, Ohio, the air is crisp, college game days on the lawn across the street from the stadium. Like, dude, that was something out of a movie. And that's one of those things that gets talked about so much, and it's hard for it to live up to the hype but it did more than live up to the hype. It absolutely knocked the hype out of the park. So the game is 1,000%. Should be on everybody's bucket list. I'm excited to try and check this off here in the big house soon. Nick. I think that'd be a whole lot of fun.
2: Yeah. What do you think? It. I think we should. You know, I was a little surprised that the game you're referring to is Ohio State-Michigan and not like Old Dominion-Florida-Atlantic. A...
0: <laughs> you said Old Dominion-Florida-Atlantic?
2: That's a that huge game. No, I'm, I'm only playing uh, showing my... Uh, <laughs> conference usa and former conference usa teams uh, some some love uh, jd i'd love That's to go fair. to that especially in michigan never been to the state of michigan i've been in lake michigan but i really um, i'd like to go
0: ann arbor man i have a friend have big sleeps. mike who'd
2: be pretty jealous of me though but uh yeah i'd love to go to ann arbor it's a beautiful college town i want to see it myself uh jd the last question we've got for you um This has just got to be one of the more interesting names I've ever seen on Twitter. Uh, Moose Lips (laughs) says, Virginia Tech, enter Sandman. Uh, JD, what do you think about this one? Shout out
0: Moose Lips, man. (laughs) Moose Lips. Shout out Moose Lips, yeah. Uh, I'm glad you caught that. I actually don't really read the usernames, so I'm glad that you do, because otherwise that would have gotten way past me. Everyone Mm. on podcast, (laughs) just roll with us here. Virginia Tech, enter Sandman is a tradition that I feel like Doesn't get enough buzz right now because Virginia Tech is still sort of back on the upswing a little bit here. They're kind of bouncing off the mat a little bit. But when Frank Beamer was the head coach there and Virginia Tech was routinely competing for the ACC championship, dude, like, enter Sandman is a tradition unlike any other. Like, when when the the walk-in song, when the entrance itself is the reputation for A school, like, that is absolutely unbelievable. Nick, I was driving home from school when I was in college. So I was going from Ithaca, New York to Atlanta, Georgia. And it takes you through Virginia. And so I checked my route, and I was just, I think, a few minutes off the beaten path, was going to Blacksburg, which is where Virginia Tech is. And so I may or may not have taken that detour, got myself some Chick-fil-A first, then taken that detour, and there may or may not have been an open door to get into that stadium. And I may or may not have visualized enter Sandman in an empty stadium. And then I think I saw people around. So I got back in my car and left before anything bad happened. But all that's to say is you and I, hopefully in your future, will be able to experience that more than just visualizing it on an empty stadium. What do you say? Can I count you in? I can't promise that we'll make a. Can I count you in? A Virginia Tech game
2: this year, JD. dude. Believe in something, they've, you know. Believe, believe it, it's March, a, dude. I don't know, man. It is March, and that's you know. With that said, that's our last question. So I guess it is time, J.D. Gosh. To go and enjoy some March Madness games. We've got West Virginia, Maryland coming up next. Okay.
0: Oh yeah, be a great football game too. To be real with you, but Nick, appreciate West Virginia, man. Maryland. Yeah, West okay. Virginia, Maryland. I'd watch okay. that. You okay. kidding me? Yeah, Neil we'll... Brown getting after it. You <laughs> that's know what awesome. I'm saying? Mike Oxley. Sounds good. Crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. Nick, appreciate you, brother. <laughs> we'll see you, buddy. Enjoy the games. Nick Break. Embracing the madness. Again, we do the teach tape, which, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, take a piece of tape, tape it outside the studio, write some sort of phrase on it for the day. Today it was, you got to go check out my Instagram, but we put a story up before every show. A lot of fun. Go ahead and check that out. Again, I think we're going to crowdsource that pretty soon. So we'll let you all write what you wanted to teach, tape, But, man, appreciate y'all rocking with us. The madness is here. I'm not talking about March Madness. I'm talking about spring football. All right? You with me? If you're juiceless, you're useless. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Embrace the madness. We will be back on the air Tuesday morning, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. We're on podcasts, wherever you get them, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. But we appreciate y'all. We love y'all, man. We're going to keep the party rolling. We will see y'all next time.